Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Holiday, a practical guide for making the holidays holy days. And we are in part two of Interactive Lament. And if you haven't watched part one, you should go back and watch that first. But last time we talked about just, first of all, learning the art of lamenting, allowing ourselves to be able to express our pain. And living in a culture that doesn't do that so well, it is something that we have to learn. And the Bible is a great it is a great handbook for that, honestly. And specifically, the Psalms are meant to be models for our own prayers. If you remember, Jesus, when he was in his greatest anguish on the cross, what did he do? He quoted Psalm 22, which was the Psalm we went through last time. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was using that model to express his own feelings to God. And that's what we're learning how to do, to be comfortable with the magnitude of our own feelings and getting them out of our body um, so that it doesn't pile up in some sort of you know physical condition or emotional state, but we can get them out and that we can that God is able to handle that by us getting it out through our pen onto that paper, it is a therapeutic way of dealing with our pain. You know, I actually call, you know, we talked about how that part can be called journal speak. Um, I got that from my daughter, um, just speaking out in your journal, everything that you'd wanna say. Another way I think about it is that it's sort of my amygdala speak. It is a way of taking all of that pain, that fear, the danger, when your amygdala and the brain stem is going off, it's going danger, 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 get out of here, freeze, flight, it, what is it? It's it's a fight, flight, or freeze. That's what your amygdala is saying. We gotta get out of here, or we gotta fight back, or be still, you know, um, it, but as a grown up, we actually take that message and we put it through our prefrontal cortex. And that's a good thing because that keeps us from having, you know, sort of socially unacceptable behaviors. And that is a good thing. We have to think things through. But the downside of being such a good grown up is that we have learned how to clean up our, how we feel and what we say and what we think in such a way that we're actually not even really being authentic or honest anymore. We're taking that socially acceptable behavior and we're kind of Im we're imposing it on ourselves um, before we've really even gotten a chance to speak out. So I kind of call that first part of lamenting when I'm getting all my stuff out, my amygdala speak um, sometimes because it's kind of like saying, if I was five years old, how would I be responding to everything going on in my body right now and in my mind? And you know, if you're five years old, you'd be, <laughs> you know, you'd be crying out. Those of you that have five-year-olds know, they're just gonna tell you how bad it is. They're gonna tell you how they feel about it and they're gonna go on and on about it until they feel better. So it's kind of using this time as a, um, as an acceptable way to be five years old. You know, we can't do that in our, our social life or in our marriage life or in our grown-up life, but it, for this 20 minute time, we get to just say how it really feels to be in our skin, just get it all out. And um, that was sort of the first part of this interactive lamenting, learning to speak that language of pain. But now I wanna talk about how we can work through that, how God can come in and work us through that. And again, this is really um, from the book Joyful Journey and the, and the language that the book uses is, this is called Emmanuel Journaling. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to remember that God 
is with us. He was with us when we were having all of our, you know, when the things were happening to us that were hard, that were hard. And he is with us as we're trying to work through them. So if we can go back with God, he can walk us through all our fears and failures. Honestly, he can walk us through all of that. Um, we have to first accept that um, something happens to us when we get that sort of um, traumatic experience happening. And remember that traumatic experience can just be used to refer to anything that has, um, anytime that something stressful or difficult has happened to us and we felt alone and we were left to our own devices and we were not able to process it all. So whenever things like that happen, we have to understand that there's something that flips in our brain and we sort of go into this, we, we flip out of what in the therapist world would probably be called a relational state. Um, that's when you are attuned to other people. Um, you know, God has made us to where our brain actually needs to be with others. And we know this because even years and years and years ago, we knew about those studies where um, babies were left unattended. Um, and what happens when neglect, uh, when, when children are neglected, there is something that, you know, sort of shuts down in their brain because our, our brains are wired to need that connection with other people. Well, when a traumatic experience happens or when we get into fear or when we are hurt, we actually move out of that relational state, that state that helps us to um, communicate well with others. And we move into a fear state. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Brennan Manning, but he's one of my favorite authors and he wrote this book uh, called Ruthless Trust. And he says it this way. He says, when the shadow of Jesus' cross falls across our lives in the form of failure, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, unemployment, loneliness, depression, the loss of a loved one, when we are deaf to everything but the shriek of our own pain, when the world around us suddenly seems a hostile, menacing place, at those times we may cry out in anguish, how could a loving God permit this to happen? At such moments, the seeds of distrust are sown. It requires heroic courage to trust in the love of God, no matter what happens to us. And that is the truth. There are times in our life when we move out of that relational state the peace of God no longer rules in our hearts. And we see the world as hostile. We can even look at people that we have trusted and loved in the past. And all of a sudden, they seem menacing. That happens to us and we move into a fear state. It is in those times that it is literally heroic to have the courage to let God work you through that. And I think we've all been in that place before we know where something happens and we'll think, oh, we just snap, you know, and all of a sudden we're saying things we normally wouldn't say or we're, we're feeling things we wouldn't normally feel. And you know what? Everybody deserves a bad reaction here and there, okay? Can we just say that? Can we just all give ourselves a break that there's going to be times where you don't respond to everything that happens in your life in a perfectly Christian way? And yes, we have to go back and repair that damage. But there's a real thing that happens inside of you where you, you panic and you cannot hear. So how do you get out of that? How do you make sure that you can turn your relational circuits back on? First of all, the first thing we have to do is we have to be aware of when our re relational circuits 
have gone off. And um, in the book, it gives us some of these signs to look for, and I just wanted to read them to you. It says, here's some signs that your relation circuits are off. Um, when you feel, I just wanna make a problem, person, or feeling go away. When I don't wanna to listen to what others feel or say. When my mind is locked onto something upsetting. When I don't wanna be connected to blank, someone I used to like. Um, when I just want to get away or fight or freeze, which we talked about, versus calm and connect. Or when I more aggressively interrogate, judge, and fix others. These are signs that we absolutely can tell that our relational circuits have been shut off. So what we wanna be able to do is we wanna get those relational circuits back on. Because honestly, it's not just that we stop listening to others. Oftentimes we can stop listening to God. We don't, we're blaming God, we're just in a panic and we can't hear God or we can't, we can't even, um, we maybe don't even wanna to go to him, we don't wanna to talk to him. So there's a way to reconnect, to get from our amygdala back up to the free prefrontal cortex where we're calm again, where we can rest, we're in that rest and digest. Remember, oh, we talked about how uh, we can get into this state that uh, the freeze, fight, fight or flight response, which comes from our uh, sympathetic nervous system, but we wanna get back to that rest and digest state. Well, one of the best ways that you can get to that is starting your, um, starting your time of listening to God by doing interactive gratitude, which is um, the last video that we did. Um, what that does is it reminds you that the person that you're talking to, that God loves you, he hears you, he is a friend to you. Okay, that's one way. Another way is just going into your um, Emmanuel journaling by first writing what you can hear the impressions that you can get from God. And you know, you can think about it like this. Um, you can think about, you know, when you go to a therapist, because what we're trying to really do is to allow God to be our therapist, so to speak, the great counselor that he is. When you go to a therapist, what they do is they attune to you. They listen to you, they hear you, they empathize with you, um, they, they will validate you, you don't feel crazy. So you have become attuned to that person. And so it makes you, it calms you down. It helps you to um, be able to rest and it calms you down enough to be able to talk to them. Well, how do we get that from God? Well, first of all, we can write down um, our, our observable actions and surroundings as if God is describing them to you. I'm gonna read directly from the book here what they say. Some examples are, you could start with God's perspective. He's saying to you, I can see you sitting at the table. I can see you drinking a cup of coffee. I can see you watching TV. I can see you staring at the computer screen. I saw you pacing back and forth in the dark. I've seen you yelling at your kids. Um, you can also write about your body's movements, sensations, expressions, or physiological responses that others might not notice with their bare eyes because God can see inside, right? You can say, I can see that your jaws and fists are clenched. I'll tell you, the first time that I read this, I was reading this, my jaw and my fists were clenched. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, I cannot believe that I just read that. Um, you could write, I saw the heaviness in your chest making it difficult to breathe. I can see your shoulders are scrunched up. I see you holding your breath. 
I can see your heart beating fast. I see you're about to explode. I can see your eyes are tightening up as tears are welling up. I saw your mind going blank and your body freezing up. I can see the knots in your stomach churning. This whole thing is helping you to remember, I am seen. God sees me. And if you will write your impressions of what he would be saying to you if you were in the room, it's the first step in attuning yourself to God and his thoughts so that you can begin to thought rhyme, as the, as the book calls it, to let his thoughts become your thoughts. And, um, and that this will calm you down so that you're able to continue in your writing. Because what I'm trying to get to is a way of when you're so upset and you feel like you can't even write, when every time you go back, I don't want to go back into the past. It's too disturbing. These, I mean, sometimes I can write about something. It's like it happened last week and it happened, you know, two years ago. So this is just to get through that initial step. Once we're in that place of being able to calm down a bit, because this is exactly what we would be doing. If um, thinking, thinking about even you um, comforting your child or a child, if you don't have your own, if a child is upset, you can see that they're in distress, you're gonna be calming them down. You're going to be, um, you're gonna be hugging them. You're gonna be letting them, you're, you're gonna be assuring them that you see them, that you're there, you hear them, you wanna to listen to them, you're drawing them out, you're calming them down. This is what God is trying to do to us. And then you're able to hear the story. Then you'd be say, tell me all about it. And that once we get to this point, then we can start pouring our heart out to God about some situation, whatever happened. Um, it can be something that just happened, the stuff that happened today. It can be something that's happened in your childhood. It can be something that happened a couple of years ago and you're stuck, um, you know, keep replaying it in your brain. But you're getting that out. And you've got a picture that God is saying, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. What else? What else? What else? Because um, he, you know, he is the perfect parent and he does want to hear it. So we are able to write out what we're feeling and thinking and everything that happened in this scenario and getting it all out to God. Then and he is able to tell us sort of back what he hears and and give it. We start to think his thoughts. Um, this sort of helped me, this thought. It says, um, for the next step of thought rhyming, we rewrite what God is hearing us say out loud as well as what we are thinking internally. And the way, another way you can think about this is when you are, um, when you're talking to someone and you're telling them something, and especially someone that's a very good listener, so perhaps a therapist or just a really good listener, lots of times um, they will tell you back what they hear you saying. And it's just so validating, like someone just heard me. I can't, wait a second, someone, you, you yes, that's exactly what I was feeling. You know, when they're able to um, say back to you what they hear you saying, uh, it, it just feels validating in itself that someone has heard you. I'm one of my, Cece Bruce, some of you know her, I feel like is one of the best listeners I've ever met. She's just able to mirror back what you said so well and it just makes you feel so heard. Um, but you're going to be wanting God to tell you back what he heard you saying. That's what, that's what usually comes out when I'm writing, um, when I'm writing God's response to me. See, because after you write to God, you're writing out, you know, God's response to you. So I hear him sort of validating the things that I've said. And then it says, listen, as God describes back to you what he hears 
and write down his description. At this point, we are just allowing God to describe and help us bring our thoughts to the surface, regardless of whether we judge them as good or bad. Um, see, this is what's really hard, is that some of us condemn ourselves um, already. We judge ourselves already. So even when we're listening to God, you know, so to speak, we can hear them through, hear him through our own filter, which is judging ourselves. But we really have to be careful to step outside of ourselves and not judge whether what we're saying is right or not. You know, when Jesus was praying in Gethsemane, he asked God, please don't make me do this. Basically is what he said. I let this cup be taken away from me. Please don't. Please, I, I really don't want to. He said what he really felt. He wasn't wrong for asking for that. Um, you know, for expressing ourselves. We have to sort of learn to be compassionate with ourselves. We really can't be compassionate with other people until we learn how to be compassionate with ourselves. I know that's something that I've grown in immensely over the past couple of years, is just learning how to be compassionate with my own process, my own growth. I want everything to be, you know, I've said many times, I want everything solved quickly. I want it to be done yesterday. So sometimes I can cease to be patient and, and compassionate with myself. But we have to remember that God is the God of all compassion. He will not always accuse. You know, he doesn't treat us as her sins deserve, which just makes me tear up every time I think about that. God is a God of compassion, and he's listening with compassionate ears. He's not waiting to judge. Even when Jesus comes, came to the world, he said, <clears throat> I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save the world. There is a judgment coming. There is a judge for the one who rejects me. That very word, word which I spoke will condemn him on the last day. I'm sure you're familiar with that scripture. Yes, there's going to be a judgment day, but it's not today. Today, God is trying to help us, and um, he's compassionate in what he hears. It says God hears all our thoughts. He's allowing us to experience being truly listened to instead of having us experience correction or teaching. In order to stay relationally connected, we must experience being heard. Some examples of this can be, I, I can hear you yelling and screaming. I heard you crying quietly. I can hear you say to your spouse or your coworker, your parents, I hate you. Get away from me. I don't trust you. I feel unsure about the situation. You don't even know me. I'm done with you. You know, God hears all of this. Um, I can hear you judging yourself. I, I can hear the excitement in your voice. I can hear your heart and mind racing. I've heard you trying to calm yourself. I can hear the deep desires of your heart. I'm hearing your fears that you're too ashamed to acknowledge. I hear the quiet resolution of your heart. And then after that, you get to hear him say, and I understand. I understand. I am concerned about your suffering. This is so important to hear that somebody somebody understands you, especially that God hears, knows, and understands you. I mean, what could make you feel, feel more validated than that? Uh, nothing. That to know the God of the universe hears you. Um, you know, I had this experience where I had a particular conversation a couple years ago, and it was, um, you know, honestly, it was, it was, sort of traumatic and I I would not say that in the classical sense as, as I've said no one was trying to even hurt me it wasn't even the the intent but it was such a shocking conversation that uh, my mind um, goes back to it over and over again and I replayed I I would replay it in my mind and um, I had been doing that 
even after most of you know, I'm quite a journal. I've been a journaler forever. I've been sober for, I don't know how long, how, how long have I been sober? I, now I'm losing track of my own years. 22 years, is that what it is? Um, so I have been journaling for a long time. I've also gone to therapists for various and different reasons over that time um, for many different things. And I have even over the past couple of years been with in, in different therapy situations, trying to work through different things and still nothing could really get that conversation out of my mind. I just couldn't, I just couldn't get over it. And so when I discovered, discovered this Emmanuel journaling, I was like, well, okay, I'll try it. But honestly, I didn't even think it was going to work because in my mind, I dismissed it. Like I already do that. You know, I already journal, blah, 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 blah. But it was actually, it was an incredibly um, significant experience. Something like I had never really experienced before where I could hear God with me in that conversation. So I'd gone back and I'd written about this conversation, but this time what was different was that God had gone back with me and he had been able to show me. He said, I know, I saw it, I was there. I know what happened in that conversation. I heard it. I heard it when this person said that and this person said that, I heard that. I felt you shut down. I felt you, uh, I felt your pain. I felt your whatever. And ha just having God go back with me in that situation assured me that not only did he see me in that situation, he saw everybody in that situation. And he, he is separately working in everybody's life simultaneously. And he, nothing gets by God. Nothing, no one gets over on God. God is always working us through something and he knows and he will be able to take care of anything that needs to be righted in the situation. Um, you know, because in every situation we have all of our stuff that we bring into it and everybody else has their stuff that they're bringing into it. And some of the things that we can fear, honestly, in just our pride and our um, pain is that we can be like, that was not right. That's not fair. That's not fair. You know, and we could go back to being, you know, wanting something that's fair, which even in our minds, we know, no, we don't really want what's fair <laughs> because that we, you know, then we would be um, pronouncing judgment on ourselves pretty much all the time. But in a moment of pain, we can think this is unfair. And I think what we're really searching for is we're searching for the parent that can do something about it all. You know, when you are um, when you are taking care of children, you know, and they have arguments between themselves, well, they can, when they can't work it out, who do they come to? Well, they come to you as the parents, and they expect you, they really want you to be the arbiter of all justice, you know, and each one thinks that their, you know, their, their, their cause is the greatest cause, and they've been wounded the worst. But as a parent, you try to meet all of their needs at the same time. And you are the person that can do something about it. So sometimes, even though the children come to me <clears throat> and they're looking for justice, so to speak, you know, they what they really get is compassion. And so because they receive that compassion, it actually releases their grip on their need for justice, what they see as justice. Um, because they have been dealt with. Once once you receive compassion and once you are able to receive what you need, honestly, a lot of the times it can help you to release that you want everybody else to get what they're supposed to get, everybody else to be dealt with in any scenario, whatever that scenario is in your life, in that conversation or at that time. So that is an important thing to be able to get is just the assurance that God saw it all 
and he's taking care of it, all will be well. He can be trusted and he can do something to help you in this situation. Honestly, since the time I had that very significant experience going back to that conversation with God, um, I was hooked. And I've been doing Emmanuel journaling ever since. You know, I don't do it all the time. I actually just do it as God calls me to do it. Um, but I will say that the way that it normally happens for me is that something in my daily life today um, will be a trigger for me. I'm sure you're familiar with that word. It triggers something that is from, that's the past that maybe I haven't completely all the way dealt with or it needs to be readdressed. Sometimes we need to go back and, and readdress some things. Um, and so when God prompts me with something that happens today, I will usually go back and readdress it. You know, I'm not looking to become a person who is um, unduly scrutinizing myself or, um, you know, constantly trying to work on myself or, un and, you know, dig in and uncover everything that I could ever do. It's not that. It's just having a tool, having a tool in your pocket that you can use for these painful times. And when we go through painful times with God, and when God is able to meet our needs, it builds our attachment with him. Remember, we're thinking about how do we have this healthy attachment, deal with our own spiritual attachment disorder, and have that close attachment with our God. That is how our children learn it, is we meet their needs, we address their concerns, we take care of them. And so that's how our attachment is built. When they see us taking care of them in hard times, their attachment is built to us. And so when we are um, allowing God to work us through these hard times, not isolating ourselves, not getting off and getting, you know, getting off of our relational circuits and staying there, but really staying in relation with God, we will build our attachment and our, um, we will be going to him as a matter of course. And this is what I'm hoping you will get out of these two lessons really is that through this practice is just the, um, the ability to have a tangible way to feel God working through your daily life, to keep that relational connection open with him more and more and more. So we finally do get to that, that ideal scripture that we pray continually. I mean, wouldn't that just be awesome if I never forgot that God was with me? Wouldn't that be amazing if you just never forgot? You had an ongoing dialogue with God all day even in the painful times, just as much as in the good times as you do in the bad times. So that's it. That's the goal of our interactive lamenting. I'm so grateful that you joined me today for this these couple of two long videos. And I want to just end by reminding you that God has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. It's a process. You are being made holy. You can trust in Him. Until next time.